with it being the start of a new school year, I'm pretty sure that there is one lesson that the teachers are really emphasizing here at the start. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's one that they have to keep emphasizing all year long. It's simply this. Are you listening? It's so easy for the kids maybe to, to daydream or to get distracted by something and, and not really be paying attention to what the teacher is teaching them. In fact, they may even wonder, why should I listen? I mean, do I really have to know all that math, all those history facts, or know the difference between an adverb and an adjective? All sorts of reasons why kids maybe aren't listening, and so the teachers have to emphasize, are you listening? But it's not just kids who need to remember to listen. It's us adults, too, in our relationships, in our business actions, or or maybe even ask ourselves, what am I listening to? There's so much that we can listen to that maybe that distracts us from what we really should be paying attention to. And of course, then we have to ask ourselves, am I just hearing or am I really paying attention? Am I really listening? And then there's also one more problem we have that keeps us from really listening, and that is we're often talking or often saying what we think about something and, and not really listening to what others are saying. Well, that's true not only for kids and not only for adults and our relationships and business and all that stuff, but it's also true for us spiritually. This month we have a series of messages entitled Lessons from the Lord. And the very first lesson is just that very point. Are you listening? That's what Jesus wanted to get across in a parable, in a story that he told, one that maybe is familiar to you, but we want to see, are you really listening to what he was teaching? It's the parable of the poor man Lazarus and the rich man. Here it is from Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, in Hades, where he was in torment, and we can maybe understand that a little bit this weekend with the hot temperatures, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony. In this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 
Well, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Were you listening to Jesus' story? What was he teaching? Some people have drawn all sorts of different lessons from this parable. One of them is not true. Some people say this passage is teaching us that the people in heaven and hell can communicate with one another. That's not taught anywhere else in the Bible. You see, sometimes we have to understand that when we hear a a parable that Jesus is teaching, not every point in that parable is the main point. Jesus is just kind of providing a setting for the story. So the main point of that parable is not people in heaven and hell can talk to each other. Some people think that maybe the main point is this, that poor people will go to heaven and be rewarded because they have suffered in this life. And rich people in this life will go to hell and suffer because they have not shared their wealth with others. That's not the story or the point, the lesson that Jesus was bringing across. Yes, he is showing a difference between a rich person and a poor person, and he has a lesson for us in that, but it's not simply the poor will be rewarded when they die and go to heaven because they were poor here. So what is Jesus' lesson in this parable? All right, now listen. He was talking about trust. He was pointing out that we have a trust problem. Now, sometimes we hear people, and maybe we even say, you know, I don't trust. I don't trust them. I don't trust the government. Well, and we shouldn't. They're just human beings. They can make mistakes. Sometimes people will say, I don't trust that technology. And we shouldn't, because sometimes technology happens, and things go wrong. But sometimes people will also not trust God. And that's what he's really getting at. Jesus was going through a series of lessons. And he was talking about how we handle our money. What do we do with our riches, our possessions? And with this story, he was teaching that some people love and trust riches instead of God. That was pretty obvious in this story with the rich man. He had a very luxurious life, a life of comfort. He had all he needed. But here was somebody, poor Lazarus, right outside his gate who was in need, and he ignored him. He didn't help him at all. But the reason was is because he did not love God. I'll show you how that was the case. Because God had said that we should love our fellow man, and he didn't. Instead, he just loved his riches and his comfortable life. 
more than loving or even knowing God. You see, it's not a sin to be rich. But when we love our possessions more than loving God, that is a sin. And that sin could lead us to unbelief, and it's unbelief that damns. So that's what Jesus is teaching about one of the problems we have with trust. We trust our things more than we trust God. The Apostle Paul brought that out with these familiar words in his letter to Timothy. He said, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. When we love things more than we love God, it can take us away from God. Jesus commented on that very thing too. He said, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now to illustrate that in this story, Jesus was really talking about not trusting him, let's take a little closer look at the words to see are we really listening. The rich man said, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. You see, Jesus was using these words of that rich man to illustrate our need for repenting, acknowledging the fact that we do sin. But repenting is more than just acknowledging that, we're sin, that we've sinned and we're sorry for it. It's also expressing trust in God that he will forgive us for Jesus' sake. And that's what's what Jesus was trying to emphasize here, to trust in him, repent of our sins of trusting and loving other things, trust in him for that forgiveness. And as Mary, the mother of Jesus, pointed out, after she found out she was pregnant with Jesus, the Savior, she said, he has filled the hungry with good things. Jesus, who said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he will fill, he will satisfy with the righteousness that he gives us from Jesus through faith in him. And those who find their comfort, those who put their trust in their riches, will be sent away empty. They don't have his righteousness because they think they don't need God. We have a trust problem sometimes, and that's what Jesus was teaching. But he was also teaching us about another trust problem we have. Again, look at these words from that parable. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. The other trust problem that Jesus was pointing out to us is that sometimes 
people are looking for something spectacular to believe in, to give them faith. In this particular story, that rich man wanted a miracle to take place. He wanted Lazarus to come back from the dead and to go visit his five brothers because he said that would convince them that they would repent and turn to God. He said they're not going to believe what the Bible says, but give them a miracle and they will believe. You see, sometimes people are looking for something spectacular to prove to them this is true. But that doesn't always work. Jesus, after he fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, the people didn't all believe he was God, but they sure wanted to follow him because they thought they could always get a free meal from him. They didn't believe. Jesus, when he raised a real man by the name of Lazarus who had died, when he raised him from the dead, people who saw that, still didn't believe Jesus was God. In fact, some then even plotted to put put Jesus to death. So miracles don't always convince people of the truth. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time speaking boldly for the Lord. And the Lord allowed them to do miracles because through those miracles then he confirmed the message of his grace. And so God allowed his people to do miracles from time to time as his way of confirming his message of grace. So it's the message that has the power to make you believe. So some people then are looking for a spectacular message something they can really believe, something they can really identify with. And unfortunately, some people judge a spectacular message by how it appealed to them, especially if it told them how good they are or how good they could be. I get various emails uh, during the week, all churchy and pastory stuff. And uh, one of them was, uh, how you could be a better preacher. And so I read the article, and it said, now watch this sermon. It's a great example of a preacher. And so I listened to it. And by the way, he preached for 45 minutes. (laughs) You want better sermons? 45, are you ready? He was a very engaging speaker. But his message was this. You can be a hero to God simply by loving others. He was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. He said that's what Jesus was teaching. You can be a hero to God by helping others. And then he said, it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian. If you do good to somebody, you're a hero to God. He forgot the part of the Bible says that without faith in Jesus, it's impossible to please God. He was simply telling us, you can do good. You can pat yourself on the back. He never talked about our sin and our need for a Savior, but how we could present ourselves as heroes to God. And all sorts, thousands of people come and listen to this guy because they like that kind of a message. They probably also like that he has a good delivery method. Well, we want to be good deliverers of our messages. But did you know that the Apostle Paul was criticized for being and even criticized himself as being a boring speaker? 
He even said, I did not come to you with eloquence of speech. He knew he wasn't that great of a speaker. But he knew that the power of his message was in the gospel. Did you know that once Paul preached for so long that a guy fell asleep during a sermon? And you think, well, that happens all the time. (laughs) But this particular guy fell out of a window two stories up and died. I haven't done that yet. (laughs) Paul was able to raise him back to life, though. But my point was, the power of Paul's message was in the word. He said, the power of the gospel is what causes us to believe. So let me ask you this now. What are you looking for as proof, as something that will convince you that God is real or that God cares for you? Are you looking for something spectacular to happen? Are you looking for him to answer your prayer to prove that he cares about you? Are you looking for him to do something spectacular like change your situation, get rid of the challenges that come up, make your life easier? give you everything you need, and better yet, give you everything you want? Is that the kind of proof? Is that what the spectacular is that you're looking for? But what happens when the next trouble comes? What happens when there's another challenge? What happens when all of your needs aren't met in the way you want or at the time you want? What happens when you don't get everything you want? Do you still wonder then if God is real? And if he cares. So maybe what we should be asking is, what are you listening to? You know, um, teachers sometimes struggle to get the kids to listen because uh, the kids may not think that what they're listening is important. Why should I know all that math? Why should I know all that history? Or the difference between adverbs and adjectives? Sometimes kids have choices in classes they can take. And, and they will take certain classes because they know they need them to go on to college in their career. Or maybe they take them because, wow, this is interesting and this is the stuff that's fun and I want to do that. But what they might be doing is neglecting what they really need to learn. And that same thing is true for us. Sometimes we get caught up in all the things that we want to hear and forget about the things that we really do need to hear. How much time do you spend listening to the news, or listening to information that is related to your work. All good stuff, nothing wrong with it, but compare that to how much time do you spend listening to what is really needful in God's word. That rich man probably heard a lot of things about how to invest in money. He probably listened to a lot of salesmen who were convincing him about what to get to make his life more comfortable but he wasn't listening to what was really needed about God and a Savior. Sometimes um, book companies will publish what they call solution manuals. And I just ordered one for our our high school class in calculus, a solution manual. And I looked at it to see what it was like. And sure enough, they gave you all the steps and all the answers for solving the problems. And it got a little confusing because they were mixing numbers and letters and brackets and all sorts of other funny symbols. And I looked at it, and I didn't understand a single thing. So even though it was the solution manual, it was of no solution to me. (laughs) And sometimes that happens with people 
in the scriptures. They're looking for something, but they're not seeing it. Well, Jesus tells us what the solution is for our trust problem, and it's simply this. Just listen to the scriptures and believe them. Because through those scriptures, God is revealing himself to us. Sometimes people are are trying to understand who is God and and where is God and and, and what does he do and what does he want. And and they're on a search and, and they're looking in all the wrong places. They're coming up with what they want to hear that will soothe themselves instead of simply looking to the Bible and seeing what it says about God. We're told that many people came to Jesus and they said, Though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. The scriptures, the word of God, simply reveals to us who God is. It shows us who our Savior is. God's own Son who came into this world, who lived for us who died for us, taking upon himself all of our sins, and who rose from the dead to show us we will live. Yes, uh, the miracles that Jesus did were helpful for confirming who he was. The apostles said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Jesus performed miracles to show us he is God. And those miracles were simply God's way of accrediting to us, he's the one, he's the promised Savior. He is the only Savior. And so we should simply listen to the scriptures because God reveals himself to us through them. He also reveals to us his will for us. He shows us how we are to live, not to be heroes to him, but to show that we have failed in living that way, to see our sin, and then to see his will that we be forgiven and saved through Jesus. Then he shows us, now here is how you live, as somebody who has been saved, as somebody who loves the Lord, as somebody who wants to thank and praise and serve the Lord. That's God's will revealed to us in the scriptures. Through those scriptures, God then works faith. We don't need the spectacular. We have the powerful gospel to convince us. The Bible tells us faith comes through hearing the word, and the word is heard through the word of Christ. The gospel is all that we need. There are lots of things in our life that attack and weaken our faith. But thankfully, there's only one thing that we need to strengthen our faith, and that is the Word. That message that God declares to us, we're forgiven and saved in Jesus. That message comes to us in the Scriptures, and it comes to us in the sacrament. That's the message that gives us faith. So do we have to look? We don't have to look anywhere else. We don't have to search, we don't have to experiment and try this or try that to see what fits right and what feels comfortable. It's right there in the scriptures. 
So the question is then, why do we deprive ourselves of God's word? Why do we ignore it? If you were hungry and somebody offered you food, would you take it? If you were sick and a doctor prescribed medicine that would make you better, would you reject it? If you were poor and somebody offered you money to help you out, would you turn it down? Why do we ignore what God has given us, the power of his word, to give us faith? Do you do any channel surfing? You know, when you're bored and you're looking for something to watch on TV, you just kind of surf away till you find something that interests you. Sometimes people do that with the Bible, too. They'll just kind of read and read until they find something that really interests them. Now, maybe it is they're looking for some advice on something or some comfort or direction, and that's fine. But sometimes people just look for the thing that they want to hear and ignore the rest of the scriptures to hear about their need for a Savior, to be firmed up in their belief of who Jesus really is and to see how we can serve him. That's the whole counsel of God. That's what God wants us to listen to. Now, we traditionally think of September as a time to get back to school. Well, it can also be a time for us to get back to the Bible. And so I'm making an invitation to you to get into the Bible. We have our Bible information classes started. A lot of you have taken those already. Maybe it's time for a refresher course. We have a lot of Bible classes that go on. Classes offered here during the week. Classes offered in small group settings in members' homes. We'll have a list of those for you next week. We'll extend an invitation to you to get involved. Or just at home, open your scriptures. Or get a book from our bookstore and read on a topic that God has for you. Get back to the Bible. Are you listening? That was Jesus' first lesson. May the Spirit give us an attitude that says, Yes, Lord, speak. I'm listening. Amen.